0: Amen. Amen. God bless you as you take the rest of the service.
1: Thank you, Brother Michael. So nice to see you tonight. Look into the assembly and see the different ones and see your faces. God bless you. It just seems like the presence of the Lord is so near. We just thank you. Thank everyone at Cloverdale Bible Way that's made this possible. And we can come into the rooms of the saints. We want to thank you, Brother Michael, for creating an atmosphere and all the musicians been so faithful. We just come into the presence of God. You know, we had a wedding on Saturday, Brother Anthony, Frey, and Sister Rosie. And as she walked down the aisle of the little backyard, this presence of God just came down, just like he is right now, just, just like angels, just like his presence moving all around. I just, don't know if there was a dried eye among us. Just seemed like the family and those that were gathered, whether you're in the church or whether you're out under a tree somewhere, God's presence has been so real in this season. And we thank you. Thank you, brother Michael and all the musicians. And we thank you for creating this atmosphere as we come into the homes of, of you tonight. We just want to turn to the word now. If you'd like to stand and thank you, brother Oren and brother Louise, sister Joanne, brother Benjamin. All have been so faithful, Brother Joe Gendo and the, uh, Brother Ken Ardeal and those, Brother Phil Ashdown, has been uh, so wonderful there. Brother Tom, thank you for coming tonight. And those in the congregation, we just want to thank you. Matthew 24 is our scripture tonight. We're going to go right to the word. And uh, tonight we're going to speak on the end has come. In Matthew chapter 24, the words of Jesus, we're going to take this for a thought. The end has come. Maybe we can just have a word of prayer. I know you've prayed already. Brother Thomas prayed, but let's just commit the word now to each one of our hearts. Our dear Heavenly Father, as different ones are standing, maybe kneeling, maybe sitting in their rooms, I just pray your Holy Spirit would feel welcome. In these next few minutes to come and minister to our souls, minister to our spirits, minister to our bodies, Lord, as we, the bride is making herself ready locally and globally. We've sensed your presence. We've sensed your nearness. We love your word. We love your appearing. And we just pray that the atmosphere would be right in every home and in every situation. With The prayer requests that have been spoken and the needs even Sunday and those from China and those from other places that are holding deep needs within their lives. We hold them up, many unspoken, but I pray the Holy Ghost would just have your way as we have come to this end time. I pray that you would minister from your heart to our heart and take the minister and take each one of us under your control, Lord, as we get out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. And the Bible says, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ or I am anointed and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. I want you to notice verse 6. After all of these things, wars and rumors of wars, and he speaks about not to be troubled. These things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Verse 7. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences. And earthquakes in many or in diverse places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. I want you to notice the word shall. How shall. How emphatic. Verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. And shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended. And shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. I was thinking of verse 10, how none of us want to be in verse 10. Then shall many be offended. That doesn't have to be you or I tonight. And shall betray one another. That doesn't have to be us tonight. And ye shall, uh, and it goes on to say, and shall hate one another. That doesn't have to be amongst us. In the body of Christ. Verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise. And shall deceive many. And because iniquity. Shall abound. The love of many. Shall wax cold. Verse 13. But he that shall endure until the end. The same shall be saved. That's what we're doing tonight friends. This is why we've gathered on a Wednesday night. He that shall endure until the end, persevere, keep pressing, keep fighting, keep serving. Let the relationship of God just flow through your life. Don't let iniquity, don't let the things of the world abound and cause your love to wax cold. But we're enduring tonight. He that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Verse 14 is our last verse. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. In verse 14, we see now him coming to the conclusion. And then shall the end come. Verse 6. Spoke about wars and rumors of wars and not to be troubled, but the end is not yet. Showing there was to be a space of time. There was to be time. There was to be a waiting. There was to be a going on. But verse 14 talks about the gospel of the kingdom being preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Tonight we'd like to speak on that. The end has come. For many years, you could have said, the end shall come. All the preacher, I can hear the voice of the preacher. I can hear the word saying, the end shall come. The Lord's going to come. The rapture is going to be. But tonight, we are saying, the end has come. God bless you. You can have your seats. This is just going to be a little bit different of the service. If you... We'll just take our title. You might think that we're going in a certain direction on the end has come. But tonight as we just step out, I want you to look out into the room and look out into the picture as we step into this banquet room. We're just stepping into a room now that has a banquet room around and there's family of the king, there's there's princes, there's princesses, there's extended family, maybe there's dignitaries or visitors, but as we're just taking a view now into this banqueting table and we see certain ones, the king is a beloved king, he's a God-honoring king, he's beloved of the people, and our attention begins to go to the ladies or to the young people, maybe there's some older ones, and our gaze kind of goes around the room as we see them enjoying and fellowshipping and just so glad to be there. And our eyes come upon this one man in his 20s. In his 20s, as this young man had been called to the table, and then it went into his 30s and 40s, but this was a a man, as you take and just grab his attention, he was just so happy to be in the presence of the king. He was so happy to be with the other princes and the other princesses. He just almost would look around the room sometimes just in awe. You know, what am I doing here? I just can't hardly believe that I'm in this atmosphere. And as they begin to eat, as they begin to fellowship, as the king would oftentimes come in, you could already see the tears coming down this young man's face and see the respect and see the appreciation that he had to be around the table. I'm, I'm speaking, as some of you would know, Of Mephibosheth. Some would know him as Prince M. And if we would look around the table. Everyone above the table was so happy. They're rejoicing. They're eating. But Mephibosheth is crippled. The table was covering all his lameness. All the brokenness. All the things that had happened in his life. Was being covered. Up above you would see that things might look normal. Things might look well. But he was lame on his feet. Tonight I want to bring that in as a foundation that the deformity was all covered under David's table. So is all the believers' deformities and all the brokenness. All the things of the years and the past is covered. We are blessed of God. Tonight in Jesus Christ, all the deformities of God's people are covered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything, we're just glad to be at the table. We're glad to be in his presence. And as we see this fellowship that Mephibosheth was, was brought in and the communion that he had with the king, because the king's house was, was his house. This prince dwelt with David and he was accepted in David's presence. And I think tonight on a Wednesday night, it's important for us to recognize as sons and daughters of God that it's our privilege It's our joy to dwell with the King. Can you say amen? To be able to walk in his company, to be able to be allowed to freely speak to him, to be able to live by his riches, to be able to rest under his protection. Tonight as we see the world falling apart and there's voices and things going on around us and the iniquity of many are waxing cold, they're losing their affection, they they don't appreciate what God has done in this generation. But there is someone, there's a little bride that is gathered around the table tonight. And we're not looking under the table at everyone's lameness. I mean, if you look to, uh, maybe his crutches are off to the side, or maybe his wheelchair, if he was a paraplegic, is sitting off in the corner. But that doesn't matter. The focus was on he was in the presence of the king. It, it just seemed like everything in the past was swallowed up now that he was where he belonged. When we talk about this Prince M, who was this prince? As we look and talk about it just for a little bit, we're not going to turn to the scriptures. I just want to mention it to you as a foundation. This was Jonathan's son. He was the last survivor of the royal house of Saul, this Mephibosheth. And when they heard the news that Saul had died and Jonathan had died and all of the sons of Saul had died in the battlefield and, and, the, and the news reached back to the royal palace. Mephibosheth was only five years old and, and his nurse took up Jonathan's little boy in her arms and they fled to a far, far place. It was actually thousands of kilometers away. I'll, I'll get into that just in a moment. It was thousands. Across River Jordan, it was in the land of Dan. It was in a far place of Lodabar, and in her panic, in her panic to pick up the prince, she fell, and he fell from her arms, and the prince was crippled. And from that day on, in both of his feet, so from five years old, and this reaches back to 2 Samuel chapter 4, Verse 4, when it talks about this, that he was five years old and the tidings came back and, and the nurse picked him up and fled that, and, and she fell and he became lame. We could go to Second Samuel or First Samuel, but now 16 years had passed and David begins to remember his covenant. When Jonathan was alive, they had made a promise because Jonathan knew that David was coming to the king. He, he knew that in spite of Saul, Jonathan's father's jealousy and all the running and all the years of trying to run and get away, Jonathan Saul is a type of Christ that he was going to make it to the throne. So Jonathan and David, they, they swore with one another. There was a bond. There was an affection. They loved one another. They loved their own souls, the Bible says, and they made a covenant that this friendship would be in their house forever. So now we find 16 years later, something came back into the heart of David. Is there any more of, of Jonathan's family? Is there any more of the royal family that is out there somewhere? Is there anybody that's out in the lands that I could bring back, that I could fulfill my covenant with? Because David was determined to fulfill his covenant, his promise to Jonathan. So he sent for Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth and brought him to the palace. And when Mephibosheth first learned that the king had found him, he was terrified. Can you imagine? This was one of Saul's uh, relatives, and he knew what had happened to the other ones of Saul's sons. So he'd come fear, and he'd come trembling into David's presence, maybe expecting to be slain. But what a surprise he found. What a surprise to find that David showed him nothing but kindness, nothing but mercy. And he was made like one of the king's sons. And when we look at this spiritually, we begin to see the grace of God shining through for you and I. How even this poor Crippled son of Jonathan was brought from a far place, Lodabar, back to Jerusalem and made to sit at the king's table. Words couldn't express what was in his heart of gratitude. He used, And I'm thinking of you and I tonight. Can you step into the picture? It's so nice to see you. The camera gives me some shots of Brother Benjamin and Brother Marco and Brother Orrin. I see you and the different brothers and sisters that are there. What comes upon the believer? When to think that we were all slaves of sin and how Satan had made uh, made us slaves to his kingdom, to find out by a message that God has made us an heir with him and joint heirs with Christ. And Mephibosheth just begin to be lost in this wonder and in this love and in this praise to the king that would think so highly of him and friends tonight only eternity can really render to god our praises and our adoration when we as sons and daughters of god realize that god has brought us back into his presence and brought us back and looking beyond our brokenness and beyond our lameness and i want to speak to you about that about from lameness to the king's table it just Goes in line what we've been hearing through the ministry. Now for these last weeks, Brother Tom Ray, Brother Murphy Wong, Brother Tim Dodd, Brother Biscoe, and the other brothers that are ministering this lameness, this brokenness. Now the bride has been brought to the king's table. And when you look back on all of this, it was David's kindness to this prince. It was for Jonathan's sake. It shows God's loving kindness. And tender mercies for you and I. Isn't that wonderful? Now the prince was in a very miserable condition. No, his lineage was royal. But because of this, he was now in another place. Very miserable condition when the king began to seek him out. And he began to be called by the king and reconciled back by the king's mercy and granted fellowship and communion with the king. All of this was done because of a covenant that was made long before he was born. Long before he was even born, there was already a covenant made, a blessing. And I want to say tonight, long before you was born, long before I was even born, God had already made a way for us. He would already given a promise. That's why his covenant with the bride keeps pulling us from all over the world, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing. God is bringing us from a lameness now to an awareness that we're at the king's table. We are in his presence. My, what an, a miserable condition that Mephibosheth lived in. Not just lame in his body. But can you imagine the fear of being caught or the fear? He was altogether, we would say, unworthy of David's attention or his regard, but David freely sought him out. If you want to go a little bit deeper, this name Mephibosheth actually means poor. It means destitute and it means helpless. It actually means a shameful. So we find now, this speaks of our old nature. It speaks of our uncleanliness. Just like a leper would be an incurable disease, or like a harlot, we were all defiled. But God called us. He looked beyond all of the outside. He looked into our hearts. He looked down through into his covenant. And he brought out of our miserable state. This is what we're talking about tonight, about the message how it has brought us from our brokenness now to the return of royal character. It's the character now of royalty now that is we are sons of the king. We are daughters of the king. And though we might be aliens and away from a far country and away from our land, the reason that we can keep our heads up high, the reason that we can walk through Laodicea is that we know we are sons of the king. Hallelujah. We are daughters of the king. That's our conduct. That's, that's why even though we might seem like a slave or you might seem like you're going through the motions, but there's something in the believer that knows we are sons of the king. We are daughters of the king. Even tonight what we're facing and the brothers having to go through this labor to bring this connection. And I'm just in this room now. With, now we have two brothers here to help us for the technical. Why is all this happening? Why is there such an effort? It is the heart of the king. It is the love of the king wanting to bring back into fellowship. Is there somebody? Is there a son? Is there a daughter? Is there someone that may be way out there in some broken, miserable condition that I can bring back home? I want you to think of this now as Mephibosheth. Some might have thought he was the king's enemy. Because he was the son of Saul, he would be a natural enemy of David. He was hiding from David, but David was not his enemy. And when we look at our natures, you'd say, well, well it's enmity against God. And that is true. But down inside of there is the nature of God. There's a thirst for God. There's a hunger for God. And can you imagine, even though we are languishing and we're lost, we were lame, we were sinners, we were, we were out there somewhere. Friends, if you're outside of God's presence, we're lost. We're miserable. There's a lameness. There's a something in our life that this all happened through the fall. And Mephibosheth, you would say, well, it wasn't fault of his own, brother John. It was the nurse. Or why did she stumble? Or, but in their haste, when they heard the message that Saul and his family had died, and she just brought up this five-year-old and she fell and many times we look back in our lives, you say, well, it wasn't my fault or this happened or you could have said, why are you being so awkward? Why are you being so helpless or your crippleness is because of you? You tripped over that, uh, tree, uh, root there. You, you should have been more careful going down into that valley or Crossing that stream and, and so much could be said today uh, about the reasons why. And I'm not speaking about that. I'm speaking about the, the path from lameness now to the king's table. Uh, from a life of, of being broken and being out there to now being brought back to the king's table. With the presence of David. Where we can sit amongst princes tonight. Where we can sit around the table of God's word and Friends, we were all born in sin. We were all born lame on our feet. It was because of the fall of our father, Adam, and we became helpless. We became like a cripple, but the father began to draw us. He began to move in our day, in our generation. We have had a revival. God has sent you and I a message to bring us back to his table. Oh, there ought to be something tonight coming out of our bosom of adoration, of thanksgiving. As we look around the room, as we look around the the halls as it was, as in a far country. I want you to think about this place of Lodabar that Mephibosheth was in. Far away from the king. Far away from Jerusalem. See, Jerusalem is a place of blessing. It was the place of peace. Jerusalem, Shalom, it was the place of worship. And if you look in 2 Samuel 9, 4, it was in the house of Makar, which means sold. So he he just sold out. This is just how it's going to be the rest of my life. I'm just going to be a prince that is just out there somewhere running for my life. Look at me. I'm lame. I can't even run. I can't even be like the other young people. I can't even get a job and no one would like to marry me. I look at these crutches. Look at this wheelchair and he's in a place which means sold, down in Lodabar, which means the place of no bread, no fellowship. And this was our condition. Far away from God, only looking at our complexes, only looking at our weakness, without faith, far away from Christ sold under sin in a desert place where there is no bread. Lodabar. Oh, I could preach a whole sermon tonight from Lodabar that if you are in that place tonight, which means no pasture, no word, no communication. Here is a prince that has no pasture. We would say no pastor. Not under headship. He has no real leadership. He, he was made to be around where there's music, where there's fellowship. Oh, can't you hear the, hear the sounds of love? Oh, where peace adorns our walls. This was where he was born to live. But because of a fall, something happened that broke him. It's sitting for 16 years. Now he's 21. Now he gets the message. David wants to have me come back. Though it was from the heart of David, it was going to a place called Lodabar. No pastor, no word, no connection. I've lost my communication. It was 5,098 kilometers. 5,098 kilometers away from Jerusalem to Lodabar. It's a long way away. 3,100 And 68 miles. My goodness, if you would drive it today in a car, it would be 51 hours of just driving straight there, but it wasn't a car. It wasn't an airplane. It was, it was a journey on a camel, on a horse, on a mule. He heard the call, come back to the king, but it didn't just take five minutes or an hour or even a day or two. It was, it was a trip to come back across the fields of this world came a message to all the sons and daughters of God. And tonight I'm speaking even to some prodigals. My heart is really stirred tonight as we spoke on Tuesday morning to the juniors at BCA. And then this morning we spoke on to the seniors at BCA. And as we speak and as we've gone through this time of lockdown and people being in isolation, not just locally but globally, and we see That Satan would want to get you alone and get you under complexes and coming under your own senses of just man and just looking at things of the world. And God, his word is going across the fields, across the airways, into the fields of Lodabar to catch a solitary heart. This is Psalm 68, verse 6. God setteth the solitary in families, he bringeth out those who are bound with chains but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Friends, if God has been dealing with your heart to come from a dry land back into a land where there's water, where his presence is, I would get up and go. We are at the end time. The end has come. There used to be years, and then will the end come. But now, after we've gone through these years, The end has come. There has to come a time like it says in your Bible. If you look in your Bible at the very end of my Bible, it says the end. In Revelations 22, it says the end. It means we've come to the climax. We've come to the final. We've reached the last period. We've reached the time of the Gentiles. And we sense the Spirit of God is lifting It's just lifting off the earth. Have you noticed that? Even out in the world. And there's politics has no answers. The governments have no answers. The people do not have the answers. Only Christ has the answer for the believer. And the voice of God continues to go out from the king. Go out and bring back to my table. Come back to fill up the heart. Or maybe a heart that is just fame trying to fill up their belly with the husk of the swine, the atmosphere. Can you imagine that a son of God or a daughter of God being in such an atmosphere, being in such a place of a pig pen, when their place is to be in the presence of God, to be at the banqueting table, to be where there's love and faith? And re- repentance and joy. And Satan wants to drag a heart out of fellowship and get them far away. Thousands of kilometers. Thousands where there's there's no service. There's no communion. There's no love. It's just a dry desert place. What a miserable condition for an individual when God is trying to reveal this, even tonight. So the, the word goes out. David says, I want you to fetch this. Fetch this one. Where is he? The Bible says, oh, brother Michael, the king said unto them, where is he? Where is he tonight? Where is my fallen princess? Where is my prince that has wandered away? Go and fetch him? It's like the heart of the shepherd seeking out his sheep. He finds his sheep to bring him back home. Remember it was David that sought Mephibosheth. It wasn't Mephibosheth seeking David. Mephibosheth had complexes he he was looking at his past. he was broken, but it was the heart of David it was a it was the call of God. It was a personal call. It was an irresistible, something that was reaching out. I've got to have him back in my presence again. Oh, tonight, friends, when a when an individual goes astray from God and tries to hide from God, God will seek after his own and he will find them. Praise be to God. His spirit always goes. Abraham was in her. Moses was in Midian. Zacchaeus was up in a tree. Saul was in the desert. The Ethiopian eunuch was on a trip. He was on a road. Praise God. Is this okay tonight? Watch his attitude. Watch his approach in 2 Samuel 9.6 when he comes back and David says, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. He comes in fear. He comes trembling. He comes respecting, not knowing if David is going to kill him or let him live. And he just threw himself at his feet. But right away, David, which is a type of Christ, he broke his fear. He broke the prince's fear. He called him by name. And he began to speak peaceably to him. Mephibosheth, fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness. It just takes a moment. It just takes a service. It just takes an atmosphere for him to walk into the room and say, I'm not destroying you. I'm bringing you kindness. I'm bringing you back to my house. Oh, can you imagine Mephibosheth throwing himself at the feet of David, the king? to obtain mercy, but there was already mercy there. There was already blessed there. In spite of all of his deformity, David wasn't looking at his lameness. He didn't say, oh, I couldn't have this man in my palace, crutches, a wheelchair. But he was received because of his love for another. David loved Jonathan. David was looking beyond the outside. He was looking beyond the deformity. He was looking beyond the brokenness. And he was looking to the love that oh friends, God is looking beyond all of our exterior realms. He's looking for Christ's sake because he loves, he loves that seed of God. Oh Paul, Said to Titus, we who were sometimes foolish and disobedient and deceived, serving divers lusts, this is Titus 3-3, and pleasures living in malice and envy and hateful, hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior, He appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Hallelujah! By His abundant mercy, God poured out his grace. Oh, it's good to be in the presence of God. Brother Louise, this is, a, this is as close as we can get to you tonight. But to just be able to be in fellowship and sense his presence and nearness. That's what Mephibosheth felt was the, the love of David. Oh, it went beyond all of the years. From the lameness and all the years, now he's brought back in the fellowship, made to be like one of the king's sons. And that's how we opened our service tonight, was looking out over the banquet table, looking out over the room. And all the crippledness and all the lameness is under the table. When you're looking in fellowship, you don't see all the what goes on underneath. You don't see the crutches. You don't see the brokenness. You look into one another's faces, you see Christ, you see the word, you see redemption, you see the cross. He was lame on his feet, but he was covered under David's table. I just feel like shit. Even for King David went beyond years as others were unfaithful and others began to despise place in his heart for Mephibosheth had a love that David had brought him back. All of this was done and his loyalty now to bring him back into fellowship. The end has come. The end has come, you say. What does all this mean for us tonight, Brother John? What does this mean for us to come into this place, to come into this atmosphere that we are living now in June? I think the date today is June the 10th, 2020. And to be able to say that we are now in another season, that we've moved into another season. We've come into another time, even as believers, We didn't think it was going to be this way. But now we've come closer to the end, and the end now is here. But at this time of the service, I just want to make a turn. We've spent now about half of our time speaking about the Old Testament and Mephibosheth. But I want to take now a turn in tonight's service as we speak about these things. Brother Branham speaking about some of his personal experiences and I want to bring it home from the Old Testament, the New Testament, now into Brother Branham's life and now into your life. And I want you to see now after uh, Brother Branham's f- first wife, Sister Hope, had passed away. Brother Branham had to raise Billy Paul. Brother Branham speaks about this in his life story. I just see now uh, on the little hill now in the backyard. There's a father, he's a young man, and I see him having a little child. Just a little child, and they're walking around town together. The man has a bottle under his arm, and the young son begins to cry. One one night they were walking out in the backyard, the father and this young boy. You you go back into the story, you'll find out when Sister Hope Branham was about to have Brother uh, Billy Paul, that she was just smothering, just smothering, couldn't just hardly breathe. She was just a little girl. But now, as this time had went on, and she had passed away, Sister Hope, and Brother Bottom's walking back and forth from the old oak tree in the back of the yard, and he was crying for his mama. This is Billy Paul crying out for his mama. Brother Bottom said, I didn't have any mama to take him to. And I'd pack him, and I'd say, oh, honey. And I said, he said, Daddy, where's my mama? Did you put her in that ground? I said, no, honey. No, honey, she's all right. She's up in heaven. He said something to me there, like to killed me one afternoon. He was crying. This is Billy Paul now, just a young little boy crying. Along late in the evening, I was packing him on my back like that, packing him on my shoulder and packing him like that. And he said, Daddy, please go get Mama and bring her here. I said, Honey, I can't get Mama. I can't get Mama. Jesus, he said, Well, tell Jesus to send me my Mama. I want her. Tonight I'm speaking about this brokenness. I'm speaking about now the journey. I'm a believer. Now as a son of God, now as a little boy crying out for his mama, bring him back here. And honey, I can't get mama Jesus. Well, tell Jesus to send me my mama. I want her. Brother Benham said, well, honey, me and you are gonna get her, gonna go see her sometime. And he stopped and said, daddy. I said, yes. I said, I see mama. I see mama up on that cloud. I see mama. My like to kill me. Brother Bottom said, my, I sing, mama up on that cloud. And Brother Bottom said, I just almost fainted. And I hugged the little fellow up in my bosom like that and just held my head down and I went on. These are the years now. Brother Bottom's having to raise Billy Paul on just a little bottle. Now he's a single parent. Oh, how we have one that is touched, a heavenly Father that is touched with the feeling of what a single parent goes through in another place in Phoenix. Brother Branham said, I remember after losing my wife, Billy, a little bit, bitty fellow about that. I was kind of papa and mama both to him. And we would walk at nighttime and we were poor. We had just a, a little old one room where we're living in and I'd take the little fella to the neighbors in the daytime while I was working as a linesman trying to pay off the bills and so forth and us to eat and I couldn't afford to have the fire or the heat all night long so I'd take his little Coca-Cola bottle because he'd break all the others he would drop them He's, but well, the man's talking about little bottles that babies have but Billy Paul would just break them all the time so he got him a little Coca-Cola bottle He said, I couldn't afford to buy those hygiene bottles, so I got him a Coca-Cola bottle and put a little cap on the top of it. And at nighttime, I put it under my head I let it lay against my body, and my heat of my body would keep his bottle warm. And when he raised up at nighttime and would go to crying, I'd stick the bottle in his mouth and had warm milk. And in the daytime, i carry it under my arm here in my coat when we're out. We've been buddies. Tonight, I wanted to bring another aspect of a life that was going through its time of lameness, going through its time of brokenness. His wife dies, his baby dies, he's having to be a single parent, and that's why the relationship between Brother Brunham and his son Billy were so close. And another message, Brother Bonham was talking about that, and he's been with me, and I packed him in my arms. I kept his bottle in here with no mother, you know, and I had to be mother and daddy, and we couldn't afford to keep that fire all night. Watch how it stayed with him. Service after service, he remembers back their poorness. He kept his bottle warm, and I'd put it under my pillow, under my head, keep it warm, and he'd wake up at night, and his mother was dead. And I'd give him a little Coke bottle with a little nipple on the top of it so that he can nurse at nighttime. Oh, we've had a hard time, but we stuck together and God's been good to us. When I was preparing for this, even in the last weeks, this has been on my heart. I begin to think of what God did through our prophet to prepare him to bring the message to us. And even after speaking of all this sorrow and all of this hurt, he said, speaking about relationships that we stuck together and God's been good to us. You know what, friends, we need to get our eyes off the lameness and off the hurt and off the things that have broken us. And we need to get our eyes on the king. We need to get our eyes back on the big picture. Get it back on the atmosphere. God has been good to us. He didn't become bitter. He didn't become all estranged. strange. He didn't become, he didn't go weird somewhere and leave, but he, he stayed serving. He stayed in love. God help us all tonight when we see iniquity abounding all around us and the love of many is waxing cold and people losing their love for one another, their love for the Lord. I pray that God would send out a message and send out a voice to Lodabar and bring back into fellowship. Bring back into harmony as you maybe hold up your, hold up something for service. You know, I need service. I need service. I need a connection. I, I want to be connected. I want to hear a voice. I, I want to hear from God that God would take us out of that desert that he, we would return and come into the banqueting room, come back into fellowship, come back into making yourself ready. My heart now is going to speak now. About Brother Bradham's first wife, Hope, and her baby girl, Sharon Rose. This is how the Lord dealt with us for the service. The end has come. Begin to speak from the life story, even from a little boy. The footprints on the sands of time and this truth of Brother Bradham's past, how he was being molded, he was being shaped. This message has not come to us easy, but it's come with great cost. Lives of great men all remind us. And it begins to see of whom the world is not worthy, and I begin to think of the martyrs and the anointing that was on them and the spirit that was on brothers and sisters just like us that gave their lives freely. They looked beyond the, the crying of the mobs, they moved, Look beyond the riots, they looked beyond all the the, the modern what was happening in their Region or in the global scene, they look beyond all of that. God bless our brothers and sisters in China that are looking beyond all of the imprisonment. They're looking beyond all of the situation. That they're looking to love. They're looking to love. They're taking as the brother, brother Murphy gave the testimony, taking off his ring, and slipping it into the other brother's pocket. Go back and tell them. Give a witness. Oh, it gives us strength tonight that even though some are broken, some are lame, that their lives are such a great fragrance of beauty. They live beyond the pain. They live beyond the brokenness. That is our victory tonight. And we see Brother Branham now begin to talk about the government. And he began to hear about how the water was rising in the great flood Years ago, even 15 feet deep, and they, a, a message went out. What happened to the hospital? What happened to the hospital? And They said, don't be worried. Do you have anybody in there? And Remember, the flood was coming up there when Brother Branham was speaking about his wife and his little daughter. And he said, yes, I have a sick wife and, and two babies. He said, oh, they all got out. They're in a freight car and they're headed towards Charlestown. Charlestown, Indiana. And Brother Bradham ran, and he got in his car. And his boat was in the back of his car, and they run on up there. And the creeks had come down to where they were two and a half and three miles wide all night long. Brother Bradham's trying to get back to his wife, trying to get back to his family. And some of them got a report on the radio, oh, the car, the freight car, the train car washed off the tracks under the trestle. Brother Bradham said, I found myself marooned
0: out on a little island
1: out there for three days. I had plenty of time to think about whether that was trash or not. Just being, where's my wife? Where's my wife? You say, what are you talking about, Brother John? It was his mother-in-law. It was the relationship that he had. It was pressure, peer pressure from his family, from his mother-in-law when God was seeking to move him into ministry and move him to go out amongst the Pentecostals and move him out there and the mother-in-law said, oh, that's just a bunch of trash. Remember they were speaking in tongues and having great revivals and she was more etiquette and more trying to, you know, hold us together a little bit more intellectual and she called him trash. and So Brother Bradham failed to go out there when he should have gone and now he's out on an island, marooned out on an island for three days, trying to get to his wife. The rains brought up the, the great uh, sweeping flood, and he had three days to think about whether that was trash or not. Beating around, saying, where's my wife? Where's my wife? Where's my daughter? Finally, when I found her, he said a few days, he found her up in Columbus, Indiana in a Baptist auditorium where they'd made a hospital like sick rooms. On, on, and they were all laying on these government cots, like hunting cots. And a lot of the people they brought out of the freight cars, the train cars, and they're all laying in these government cots. And Brother Branham finally finds them. And he's running, running to her as fast as he could go, trying to find where she was, screaming, hope! Help!" Oh! And I looked, and I, there she was, laying on a cot. TB had set in, and she raised her little bony hand. She said, "Billy, Billy, can you imagine a prophet running now through? After three days, running through where they had him laid on? Co- oh, oh!" She raises her little hand, but Billy. And I run to her, and I said, "Hope, honey." She said, I look awful, don't I? I said, no, honey, you look all right. Brother the said for about six months, we worked with everything that was in us to try to get her to save her life. She just kept getting lower and lower. One day I was on patrol. This is after six months. Are we doing OK out there? One day he was on patrol, and out on the radio, it turned on, and I thought, I heard them say on the radio, William Branham, William Branham, wanted at the hospital right away, wife is dying. And I rushed back to the hospital as quick as I could, and I turned on the red lights and the siren, and I took off, and I got to the hospital, and I stopped, and I run in. Coming down to the hospital, I seen a little buddy of mine, that we fish together, we run together as boys, Sam Adair, Dr. Sam Adair. He's the one that the vision come not long ago and told him about his clinic. And so then here he come out like that and he had his hat in his hand. He looked at me and he just started crying. And I run up to him and throw my arms around him. He put his arms around me and said, Billy, she's going. I said, I'm sorry, I've tried all I could. I've had specialists and everything. I said, Sam, surely she's not going. I said, yes, she's going. I said, don't go in. He said, don't go in there, Bill. I said, I've got to go in, Sam. He said, don't do it. Please don't. I said, let me go in. I said, I'll go in with you. I said, no, you stay out here. I want to stay with her in her last minutes. I said, she's unconscious. The random now was walking into the room, and the nurse was sitting there, and she was crying because she and Hope were schoolmates together. And so I looked over, and she started crying, put her hand up, and started walking over. And I looked, and I and I shook her. Now this is a prophet, just newly married, now having a child, Billy Paul. And now he's having a little baby, Sharon Rose, and now the, the mother is passing. Brother Benham shook her, and there she was. She'd been down from 120 pounds to about 60 pounds. And I shook her. And if I live to be a 100 years old, he said, I'll never forget what happened. He turned over, and those great, big, pretty eyes looked up at me, and she smiled. She said, why did you call me back, Billy? Why did you call me back? I want you to just listen now. Our hearts can be so tied into our troubles and tied into our job and tied into making a living and tied into someone's health. And we can get so caught into that realm as as believers. Why did you call me back, Billy? And right away he says, honey, I just got the cash. So he's thinking about money. He's thinking about their livelihood. And he said, I had to work. We were way in debt and hundreds of dollars of doctor bills and nothing to pay it with. And I just had to work. And I see her two or three times a day and every night. And then when she was in that condition, I said, what do you mean call you back? She said, Bill, you, you talked about it, but you don't have no idea what it is said, Hope, what are you talking about? She said, Heaven. Heaven. You preached about it. You've talked about it. But you have no idea what it is. It's Heaven. She said, Look. She said, I was being escorted home by some people, men and women. And they were dressed in white. And she said, I was at ease and peace. Said said, big, pretty birds flying from tree to tree. She said, don't think I'm beside myself. But she said, Billy, I'm going to tell you our mistake. She said, sit down. I, I didn't, he said. I, I knelt down. And I took her by the hand. She said, you know where our mistake is. I said, yes, sweetheart, I do. She said, we should have never listened to Mama. Then people were right. I said, I know it. She said, promise me that you don't go to those people. Watch your daughter. Watch your wife. Watch your sister that's passing into that other dimension. And she's given encouragement to go back. Fulfill the will of God. She wasn't bitter. She wasn't upset. She wasn't all in turmoil. But she's just given encouragement. You know where our mistake was. Go back to those people because they're right. She said, raise my children like that. She said, I want to tell you something. She said, I'm dying. But said, I don't dread anything. I don't dread going. Said, it's beautiful. She said, the only thing, I hate to leave you, Bill. And I know you got these two little children to raise. Think about this. In her last moment, she's still a mother. She's still thinking of her husband, still thinking of her children. I wonder today, what has been lost in our generation? What has been lost to the people of today that have lost all of their affection, they've lost all desire? And it creeps even right into the message where people lose. They see so much hurt. They see so much pain. They see so much sorrow. It can affect them here's a mother just passing. Promise me, she said, that you'll not stay single and let my children be pulled away from pillar to post. He said, that was a sensible thing for a 21-year-old mother. I said, I can't promise that, Hope. She said, but please promise me. He said, one thing I want to tell you, said, you remember that rifle? Oh, my friends, I mean, these are the things that really matter. These are the things, friends. I wrote this in my notes. These are the things that really matter in life when it really comes down to it all. It's not all the things in the world and all the things that pull us apart. It's all that really counts. All that's really true. All that really matters, Lord, is you. Everything to gain. Nothing now to lose. All that really matters, Lord, is you. I'm bringing you into the story tonight more than a story. It's the character of a man that was looking beyond his lameness, beyond the hurt, And now they're having fellowship, a 21-year-old mother. She's passing away. But just since this love, she says, you remember the rifle? Brother Benham said, I'm just crazy about guns. She said, You wanted to buy that rifle that day and you didn't have enough money to make the down payment. I said, Yes. She said, I've been saving my money, my nickels, to try to make that down payment on that rifle. She said, now when this is over and you go back home and look upon the dual fold, just up on the little dresser. And right by the folding bed, under that piece of paper on the top, you'll find the money there. She said, Promise me. That you'll buy that rifle. Brother Brown said, you don't know how I felt when I seen that dollar and 75 cents and nickels laying there. And I got the rifle. Now he comes back into the room he says, you remember that time that we were going downtown to buy me a pair of stockings and we was going to Fort Wayne? I want you to think about the closing minutes of her life. They're thinking of something that had happened. Brother Branham said, yes, I had come in from fishing, and they went to Fort Rain. Brother Branham had to preach that night, and she said, you know, I told you, there's two different kinds of stockings. One's called chiffon, and the other one's called rayon. Is that right? Rayon and chiffon. Chiffon was the best. Is that right? And she said, now you get me some chiffon, full style. And, and Brother Brown said, you know that thing that's got that little thing in the back of the stockings at the top? He said, I don't know nothing about women's clothes, he said, but he was going down the street, and she had told him to get chiffon, he's going down the street saying, chiffon, 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 I'm trying to think of chiffon, chiffon, and people were meeting him on the street, somebody said, hello, Billy, hello, Billy, I said, hello, hello, chiffon, 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 hello, Billy, oh, chiffon, chiffon, chiffon. and I got to the corner and met Mr. Spoon. He said, hello, Billy. Do you know the perch that's a fish, is biting over on the top of the last pier. I said, sure enough. Is that right? Yeah. And I thought now, when I left him, I said, what was that stuff? What was that brand? And he forgot it. But he knew of their friend, Thelma Floyd, a girl that worked at the 10-cent store. And they'd sell uh, women's stockings over there. So I went over there and I said, hi, Thelma. She said, hi, Billy. How are you? How's Hope? I said, fine. I said, Thelma, I want to buy a pair of stockings for Hope, a pair of socks. Hope doesn't want socks. I said, yes, ma'am. She sure does. You said, you mean stockings? Oh, sure, I said, that's what it is. I thought, oh, I, I done showed my ignorance. And she said, what 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 kind does he want? And I thought, uh-oh, I said, what kind you got? And she said, well, we got rayon. We got rayon. And Brother Bam said, I didn't know the difference. Rayon, chiffon, rayon, the sh- it's all the same, sounds the same. I said, that's what I want? And she fixed me up a pair of them full style. I got that wrong, Brother Bam said. What is it? Full fashion, full fashion. So I said, fix me a pair of them. And she, she went to get them, give them to me. And that was about 30 cents, 20 cents or 30 cents, about half price. I said, well, give me two of them. And so he went back home and I hope this is okay tonight. I'm trying to bring you just a little bit of their family life. It's just cozy. I said, you know, honey, you women shop all over town to find bargains. You know how you like to crawl. But here, look here, I bought two pair for the price that you bought one pair with. And I, oh, that's my pers- personal ability, he said. I said, you know, Thelma sold me these. I said, she might have let me have them at half price. She said, did you get chiffon? I said, yes, ma'am. It all sounded the same to me. I didn't know there was any difference. Now, I want to bring you a reminder. This is Brother Brown on her deathbed. She's thinking of this memory. She's thinking of something that had happened. And now, just at the last moment, she says, Billy, I thought strange when she got to Fort Wayne. She had to get another pair of stockings. Said, I give them to your mother. (coughs) Said, they're for older women. Said, I'm sorry I did that. And I said, oh, that's all right, honey. Now, friends, when we begin to think of the life of a person, when it comes down to it all, She's thinking back of some stockings. She's thinking back of something that you and I would say, it's nothing. It's We would pass. We wouldn't even think of that. I'm sorry. I did that. I said, that's all right, honey. She said, don't live single. She said, you know, she didn't know what was fixing to happen in a few hours from then. Don't live single. Brother Bottom said, I held her darling hands while the angels of God packed her away. And I went home, and I didn't know what to do, and I laid there at night. I was thinking, I heard, I laid there at night, I thought it was a little mouse in the old grate where we had some papers, and I shut the door with my foot there, the foot at the, with his, at the end of his bed, he just shoved the door, and the door would shut, and on the back of the door was her house coat on the back, and there she was laying down there at the morgue. Just in a little bit, someone began to call, Brother Billy, Billy, Billy. And it was Frank Broy said, your baby's dying. I said, my baby. Said, yes, Sharon Rose said, Doc's up here now. And she's got tubercular meningitis. She nursed it from her mother. And she's dying. now tonight, I'm speaking about brokenness from the scripture and from the message. How a man was being broken. A family was being broken. Now the mother dies. His wife dies. Now the little baby is passing. And he got up in the car. And he went up there. And there was the little street baby. They rushed her to the hospital. She went out there to see him. Sam came up and said, Billy, don't you go in that room. You got to think of Billy Paul. Said, she's dying. Said, Doc, I've got to see my baby. He said, no. You can't go in, said, she's got meningitis, Billy. And he'd pack it to Billy Paul. And I waited till he got out, and I couldn't stand to see her die and her mother laying down there in the undertaker's establishment. Brother Branham said, I tell you, the way of the transgressor is hard. Friends, here's a prophet. He's our example. He wasn't just speaking about the great meetings and the great times. He was... Talking about the moments of failure, of brokenness, the transgressions, the things he had done in his life, and the way of the transgressor is hard, Brother Bradham said, and he slipped into the room and Sam went out and the nurse went out and he went down into this little basement, little bitty hospital. She was in an isolated place and the flies was all in her little eyes and they call mosquito bar and netting over her eyes and she had these little spasms. And her little fat leg was moving up and down, and her little hands with those spasms. And I looked at her, and she was just big enough to be cute, just about eight months old. And her mother used to set her out in the front yard with her little dress on, and Buddy Buddy would come home, and he'd toot the horn, and she'd go, Goo-goo, 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 and reaching for me, you know. And there lay my darling dying. And I looked down to her, and I said, Sherry. You know daddy. You know daddy, Sherry. And when she looked, she was suffering so hard. So one of them pretty little blue eyes had crossed. And it looked like to have tore my heart. He's being broken. She's being crushed. Little do we realize tonight that out of this brokenness, out of this crushing, God sent you a message. God sent you the voice of our beloved Christ, our King, saying, Come on back to my house. Come on back to Jerusalem. Come on back to my presence. Friends, in this brokenness, in this time of a prophet now, standing there before his little girl, her eyes crashing, his heart is being torn out, and you begin to pray, God, what have I done? Haven't I preached the gospel on the street corners, and I've done everything I know? Don't hold it against me. I never called it trash. It was her that called them people trash, talking about the mother-in-law. I said, I'm sorry that it all happened. Forgive me. Don't take my baby. While I was praying, it looked like a black sheet or a cloth came down. And I know he had refused me. Here we are right in the end of this message tonight. Brother Vance said, that was the hardest and the most treacherous time of my life. His wife passing, his baby's going. And he raised up and he looked at her and Satan put in his mind, well, you mean as hard as you've preached and the way you've lived and now it's come down to your baby and he's turned you down? I said, that's right. If he can't save my baby, then I can't and I still. Here's a man in this brokenness. And Satan's putting something in his mind. After all you've done and preached and how you've lived. And maybe some of you have thought that same way. After all you've sacrificed and given up. And you made these efforts to serve God. And now something happens. And these thoughts of Satan. That's right. If you can't save my baby, then I can. And he stopped. He said, I just don't know what to do. And I said this, I said, Lord, you gave her to me and you've taken her away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you take even me, I'll still love you. Oh, God, give us that kind of a love. Give us that kind of an affection. Give us that kind of a heart that no matter what we've gone through and brokenness and and crippleness in our life, that we'd have the character of a prophet, the character of Mephibosheth, that we'd have the love for the the Lord to be able to say whatever you've done in my life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Brother Branham puts his hands over on her and said, Bless you, sweetheart. To raise you with all my heart. I wanted to raise you. And raise you to love the Lord. But the angels are coming for you, sweetheart. Daddy will take your body, your little body down and lay it in the arms of Mama. And I'll bury you with her. Someday Daddy will meet you. And we'll just wait there with Mama. I'm going to close right there. I have more to say about this. And maybe in another service we can go on further. But it doesn't stop there. God allowed his wife to go. He allowed his baby to go. Things begin to happen. And Brother Branham even tried to commit suicide one time on the electrical pole. Then that wouldn't work. God stopped him. Then he tried it again. And he just was so, he said, I was just, I was just, I'm tormented. And he just, he began to be so tormented. He tried to take his life another time with a gun and it wouldn't go off. And He threw it across the room. What was it? God preserving a message. The message had to get through all the way down to the end time. All the way down here, God would get a message to the bride of Christ. Oh, it reminds me of the messenger dove. Maybe as our musicians would come and begin to just play a little song. It reminded me this afternoon of the of the dove that would send the little pigeon dove. They would put a little message. They would put a little message uh, in the time of battle in the war, and tie it on to the little dove's leg or to his feet, and they would let it go. And it was trained to fly back, fly back to the general, fly back to the front lines, let him know we need reinforcement. Let them know that we need some help. I'm reminded they wrote a the note, they wrote down the message, and put it on the little leg of the little pigeon dove, and let it loose. They let it loose, and the dove begin to fly, and the soldiers of the enemy begin to shoot at it, shoot at the dove, and, and one of its wings begin to go off, and one of its legs begin to go off. And it fluttered away, but it fell behind the enemy lines. The message got through, and they sent reinforcements, and they were saved. I was thinking this afternoon how the message got through on the wings of a dove, how God sent down an evening time message for this generation and tied it onto the wings, tied it onto the leg of the Holy Spirit. And he said, Take this message to Lodabar. I've got to let the princess know. I've got to let the sons know. The daughters know. I've got to let them know. Give them a message. Come on back to my house. We can't go until the whole banquet table is ready. Tonight as we close, I want this to come into your heart. The end has come. We're not just in a... Years of preaching, the end shall come, or it's way off in the future, it's way off there for many years. But tonight we're saying the end has come. The time has come. The time has come to make ourselves ready. Oh, Prince, if you're a princess tonight and you're way away, let the message come through to your heart. Let something gallant, let something true, let the character of Christ well up within your heart. In spite of all of the things that would go on, we're pilgrims and strangers and aliens, but on top of all of that, we're sons and daughters of the King. Pick up your shoulders, live like real sons and daughters of God, like real Christians. For the end has come, and our time is now. God bless you. I wonder if we can bow our heads together as a congregation, as Brother Michael, you just begin to take over the service, but I want to have a word of prayer with every heart that would be bowed there where you're at, every heart that might be just bowing down your head right now in a living room, in an office, in a bedroom. There in the sanctuary, I wonder if there'd be something stirring. that the time has come. The time has now come. The end has now come. There has to be an end of all of this. As we look around the room and see the banqueting table, hear the voice of the word and the voice of the Holy Spirit is calling, wooing, breathing out a message to us. Oh, it's something stirs within our hearts to make ourselves ready. I wonder now as we bow our heads together if there's anyone that would just like to speak to the Lord, just the King personally, say, Oh God, I've been guilty of being far away and no communication in a desert place. Maybe you're looking down at your feet that's laying. Maybe you're looking at the sorrow. Maybe you're looking at the brokenness. God is trying to say, lift up your hand, lift up your eyes, lift up your faith. Tonight, you'd like to say, oh God, the end has come. We're preparing ourselves. May the Holy Ghost just rule upon you and bless you and fill you. Minister to your life in Jesus' name.
2: God bless you, Brother Michael. My surrender, lay it down before.
0: I was just thinking when, as Brother John was talking about Mephibosheth, and I never really saw Mephibosheth as as a parallel like a, a prodigal, but I just thought how those how those go together. How he would have been so far away, distant as David was calling. I can imagine the heart of David. No wonder God loved his heart was like God's. What love David had to be calling out. Where Where is he? Where is the son? Where is the, a daughter of of Jonathan, the love that he had for him, calling out? And here Mephibosheth out there, in his brother John was speaking, way out in the distance. And how he was wondering, frightened, fear would have been on him, not really knowing why. Why was David calling for him? Not knowing it was actually a love of the king, desiring him to be in his house. Amen? It was like the prodigal, this... The, Father desiring that his son would be there. I wonder how long the prodigal or how long Mephibosheth sat out there when he could have been in the house of the king. He could have been at the table, his all his lameness hidden and, and as Brother John spoke, and all all disregarded because the king wanted him there in his presence, and he sat out there in the muck, in the mire, wherever he was hidden in fear, the prodigal in the in the pig pen, but his father desiring that he wanted for him to be in his house. And God is speaking through Brother John tonight, he desiring that you may be a prodigal to be in his house he's saying i don't care my love is great for you come back to my home amen that's what that's why i just so was impressed about that brother john the love of the father the love of david jonathan here he was saul trying to kill him and but jonathan recognized what was in david and here now david is the love of christ emanating from him and said come back And here, here Mephibosheth did come, calling out, like, I never heard of that, but of John Labadar, no bread, the place of no bread, such an exact opposite of Bethlehem, amen? And it was worth every moment, it was worth the long trek back that Mephibosheth had to make those thousands of kilometers but he made every bit back and it was worth it all when he made it there before the king humbled, broken, pieces shattered lame and halt, couldn't walk dealing with some of the consequences of it but here he came before the king and just laid down before him before the mender amen and his pieces were broken he then was now part of the king's house amen that's what the heart of God is desiring for you, calling, I want you, i desiring to be part of my house. Amen. Let's just sing that verse, healer of my heart. You are the healer. Maybe you need healing. The maker and God of all we are. I was the broken vessel. And God is two services now. My sword is the broken vessel. And here, here's the healer. If you just surrender and you allow it and break yourself and just right before the Lord, he says, now I will lift you up. I will now mend you. I will now put you to use. You will now be my sword. Amen. See you the mind of God through the course of the services and take that to your heart and build and strengthen and bring you closer to him. Amen. Let's sing that. Oh, you
2: are the healer. Oh, Healer of my heart Oh, the Maker and the God
0: broken pieces healer of the broken pieces maybe just as we close and go a word of prayer I just want to sing Oh How He Loves You and Me Oh How He Loves them. Oh How He Loves You and Me just sing it as a song to Him in love Oh How
2: He Loves You and Me gave himself what more could he do oh how
0: What a great love you have for us lord is you lord as the prophet would say you bankrupt heaven lord came lord to earth and lord gave him yourself lord willing to endure the pain willing to endure, endure the agony willing to endure the stripes lord because you had a great love lord lord as the father of the prodigal lord, david lord is a type of you O oh god is yet a great love lord calling and yearning and beckoning O oh god for those, Lord, of Jonathan's home to come, Lord, for the prodigal to come home. Lord, may there's those that are out, Lord, listening to this service, or those that tap into, Lord, the archive, Lord. May, Lord, there not be a fear. May that fear that Satan would put on, Lord, of no need, trying to hinder them or hold them back or scared of what might be, but Lord, what, what's ahead of them is only the love of the Father. What's ahead of them, Lord, was, for the prodigal was a robe, Lord, was a ring, Lord, was a fatted cap and a feast, Lord, and, Lord, for those that are maybe astray, what's ahead, Lord, is, oh, the love of the Father that would, Lord, come down and take, Lord, sin's pain, sin's shame and bear that for them. Oh, God, Lord, through this service, Lord, through your word, may that of, Lord, come forth. May, Lord, that love have been shown, Lord, breaking and molding. But, Lord, it's the love of a father desirous, Lord, that you would have your sons and your daughters, Lord, with you, Lord, at the great banquet feast. Lord, may you, Lord, take this little service. Multiply it, Lord, as you did loaves and fishes. Lord, and meet a heart. Lord, meet a heart that's hurting. But Lord, you are indeed the healer of the broken pieces. Lord, you'll touch hearts, Lord. Your finger can reach down. Lord, I think, Lord, if there was one, Lord, that was broken, I think a legion, Lord, he was torn, and he was battered, and he was, Lord, many devils, Lord, that were in him, but the finger of God, Lord, you pointed, Lord, and you loosed him, O God, from all the enemies and the terrible and the demons that tore at him, O God, Lord, may your finger reach down, Lord, to maybe the deepest part, Lord, of someone's life, and Lord, deliver them, O God heal them oh god and mend the broken pieces of their life lord and may they come lord to your table and only lord feel the love of the father we pray bless the service in the evening this week lord we commit to you strengthen brother john lord as You labor lord tonight lord lord we pray you strengthen him uphold him uplift him oh god we love him Lord, it tears us, Lord, that we're away and that we're apart, Lord, because of this situation. But, Lord, may our love, Lord, just extend, Lord, from here, Lord, and, Lord, just in our prayers. And, Lord, we uplift your people. Lord, gather us, Lord, we pray we're one of these days, we, Lord, we can lift that need before you. Lord, open these borders, O oh God. Lord, change the situation, O oh God. We look at the impossible. And we look at the situations. But, Lord, we desire to be together again, Lord. We desire that our family could be united again. Oh God, intervene, Lord, we pray. We lift this need up before you, Lord. Take control. Change the impossible, O oh God. Lord, that we could unite together as a body of people. Bless your people, Lord, in their duties this week committed unto you, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. Sit. I know I, I enjoy, I sit here at the after the services and I just enjoy the musicians as you play and just to sit in the atmosphere. I, I just love that. And so you, you just feel to sit in front of your, your screen and just ponder if the Lord is speaking to you and take the opportunity in your little room. Lord, I come to you. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.